This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, managing the business of your church so you can focus on the ministry. Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. Welcome to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. We're glad that you are downloading our episodes and listening. Today, we're going to jump into the essentials of church planning. We're going to talk about location, location, location. But before we begin, um, let's discuss uh, Reed the Intern. Really, Reed is a ministry assistant at uh, the church I'm starting in the Memphis area, he's far more important than an intern. And with the podcast, he's actually our producer. Uh, the show will not happen if Reed is not involved. So we need to come up with a new title for Reed, maybe the Grand Poopah or something along those lines. But uh, just wanted to mention briefly that Reed has started taking Hebrew in seminary. So Reed, how's that going so far? Hunter, I'm going to be really honest with you. There were some questions about my calling to the ministry after week one. I have never in my entire life felt so out of place in a classroom as when Miles Van Pelt is just talking nonstop for one hour about Hebrew for the first time in my life. It was it was very difficult, but luckily a couple guys said no stick with it. It's going to be okay. You can do it. I was like, all right. So after week one, week one's the biggest hurdle. So anybody out there thinking about taking Hebrew, jump over the first hurdle, the rest of them get significantly smaller from my vast experience of three weeks of Hebrew classes. That's my, that's my advice to everyone. So Josh was, was Hebrew easier for you or was Greek easier? Yeah, it, I was just going to say my Hebrew experiences was a little bit mixed because um, Hunter knows this, but I spent one year at Southern Seminary, the uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, emphasis on the article in Louisville, Kentucky. And um, I did my, my Hebrew studies there, uh, at least the first half of my Hebrew studies there before I came down. And I had a guy named Peter Gentry. Um, I mean, honestly, I would have taken his class just to hear him pray at the beginning of every um, every lesson. But uh, he was a linguist. He wasn't just a Hebrew kind of specialist. He was actually more proficient in Greek, um, but he was a Septuagint scholar. And so Hebrew was also was just as proficient there. But he just taught language. And I was I'd sit in his class enamored with just he would just help you see how all languages came together in different forms and ways throughout history. And so for that reason, it made it like I thought I was going to be a linguist. I was just like, man, this is my missing calling. This is what I, I was supposed to do all these years of being stupid and a dumb jock. And I now know that it's all been saving up for this Hebrew scholar I was going to be. And then I transferred that year to RTS and realized that um, I, I'm not going to be a, a Hebrew Greek scholar whatsoever. I got into Greek and it was just that it was Greek to me. And so uh, I had to, had to work a lot harder, realized I had a special thing and, and Peter Gentry. So, he, he will never listen to this podcast, but just in case he does, thank you. It was a fun class. <laughs> yeah. So for me, and I've tried to encourage Reed on this end, Hebrew was like a bunch of people walk, went into a room and came out with a language that they made up. And I, I found it quite easy to be completely honest. And Josh, I was sort of going down that road of my gosh, I'm, I'm being called to be an old Testament professor, you know, And then 
the Greek train ran over me and dismembered me. And it was an ugly scene. I've never struggled with a academic subject like I did Greek one, two, and three. In fact, Greek one for me was harder than my entire first year of law school. It, it was the most challenging thing. Um, and, and I mean, all the classes combined in law school, it was so unbelievably challenging to me. So hopefully today our subject uh, won't be as quite as challenging as Greek or Hebrew, and we can help church planners and future church planners think through uh, location. Um, maybe we can be of some help to them. So guys, when we start thinking about location, the first thing we have to figure out is like, where are you going to plant a church? How do you come up with a city to go and plant a church? Is this somewhere that you're familiar with? You've lived there, you've had some experience there, or is this somewhere where you're just going in blind and someone says, we need you to go to plant a church here in this town? So how does that work to first just come up with a city that needs a church uh, that you are going to go and be a part of planting? Yeah, I think it's a... I think it's a great, um, I think it's a great place to start. You know, obviously there's a whole lot of questions about location once you get on the ground as well that we'll want to kind of wrestle through, but just from the outset, I mean, you do, how do you, how do you figure out where you go? And, uh, Hunter and I, I think Hunter and, and my experiences are, are, are very different in that regard. I was coming back from the mission field. I was living in South America. So, um, you know, in our in my situation, we we struggled with what the process would look like coming back and trying to figure those out. And really, the sky was the limit because we just lived overseas. We felt like we could tackle the world and 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 everything was. We knew we needed to be back in the states, but um, but where we went was pretty wide open. I looked at places and everywhere from Boston to uh, Ohio uh, to. Um, uh, Arkansas and, and Mobile, my my home uh, state and city, and uh, I looked at the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and uh, I'm trying to think of anywhere else. But there was a lot of opportunity for us, and that was hard trying to figure out. Like we knew church planning was where our heart was, but how do you kind of narrow that down? Uh, and for us, I think the experience on the mission field taught us a lot about who we were and gifting and things of that nature. And and I, you know, I think. Whereas, you know, we struggled with our health on the mission field. I think I was sick more times, more days than I was well when we were overseas. But um, so I had some struggles in that regard. But coming from my background, I, I didn't I was a little bit more I, I don't I could go anywhere, kind of be happy, content anywhere. Um, my, my wife struggled specifically um, in the context she was and, and had a hard time with some of the cross-cultural dynamics and things and as we were coming back stateside, we really began wrestling, you know, where is the best fit for us as a family? Where's my, my wife and children going to be able to thrive? And, you know, with this kind of raging question in the background, where is their need? Um, that we, we wanted to make sure we were answering that question, but we, but we don't, we didn't have to divorce that question from what, what's going to allow my family to, after the things, you know, the massive transitions we've taken them through from going from the States to cross-cultural missions, cross-cultural missions back to the States, um, having to make those kind of transitions, we didn't have to divorce the question of family care and, and, and kind of need and opportunity. And so we really felt like a, a Southern context was probably more 
conducive to us. And so then we began trying to figure out, well, where is their need in the South? Of course, there's no need in the South. Um, and so we, we began kind of thinking that opportunity. And so uh, Hunter at that time was the head of the Mid-South Church Planning Network. Uh, our relationship and connection opened conversations about Lafayette, and it seemed very clear that there was both need and kind of cultural context um, that afforded us the opportunity and helped us narrow that calling. But um, there were things about Boston that were super appealing to me. Um, I had two different places in Ohio where we could have planted that were super appealing to me. But when it came down to narrowing it down, I wanted to kind of juggle family and, and, and kind of needs there along with need and necessity in the regions that we were called to minister. So, Josh, the first time I planted, um, there was a church in Colorado that was pursuing me to plant out there in conjunction with an RUF campus ministry. And of course, prayer is central and it's the most important thing. And as my wife and I were praying about it, it started to become clear that even though we were very interested and we wanted to go there, that there were going to be too many obstacles in place. The <clears throat> M&A committee out in Colorado was questioning or wondering about my lack of pastoral ministry experience. And at the time, I thought, you know, surely I have enough experience. But in hindsight, many years later, I didn't. And that was wise on the part of that committee to ask those questions. The M&A committee, excuse me, the M&A for our denomination was also asking, do you need a bit more experience in pastoral ministry. I was coming right out of seminary. Uh, so the right questions were being asked. So as you pursue the location where you want to plant, yes, it, it begins with prayer. I think it also involves uh, seeking the counsel of others. You know, this is a biblical thing. The count, There's wisdom in the counsel of many. To talk to your friends, the people who know you well, to talk to pastors, to, to speak in depth with the committees and just figure out, is this the right place for me? Do I have the experience that is needed? Do I understand the culture? Do I understand the community? Those are all the things that you need to be thinking through and working through as a potential church planter. And just over a season, it became obvious that this was not the right fit for us. And it just solely landed on the experience angle that just I did not have enough experience as a pastor. So I went to a church as an assistant minister and I was there for a few years when the opportunity became available for Madison Heights. And, you know, things began to align very quickly. Of course, we prayed about it, but we had family in the area. We were considering having children at this point and we had uh, family that was a few hours away. I understood the culture. I understood the community. I had connections and relationships with the mother church. And it was just very interesting to see how the, the Lord aligned things to make it very clear that this is where I needed to go. Second time around in terms of planting Trinity, it was similar. Um, we had a very challenging and difficult situation in that we are the sole caregivers for my father-in-law who has Alzheimer's and we had to stay close to him. But my wife and I both felt this burden to plant 
and the opportunity to do this in proximity to him became available. And that was just one of the means that the Lord used to say, hey, here it is. This is where you need to go. And so, again, in in finding that location, sometimes you want to go far off. Sometimes you want to go to a place that sounds really exciting um, for you personally. Maybe it's going to a university town or an urban setting in a big city or a big city. But sometimes you just have to pray and you have to listen to where the Lord is guiding you. We need to plant churches everywhere for everyone. And often that means that you need to look inwardly to see who am I and what do I, what are my strengths and and what, how am I made up and how is my wife made up and, and what is the best spot, the best location for us culturally and as a community and our family background and so forth. Yeah, I think that was, that was super important for, for me. Um, you know, all that you just said was, you know, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I jumped right to the practical and, and didn't mention the, the prayer aspect of it. You know, those things are so central. <laughs> uh, we, we take those things for granted. We assume some of those things on us, but I think sometimes we can, we end up kind of just laboring in our own strength, trying to just, wrestle through, especially us coming back from the kind of anxiousness of coming off this mission field and needing to find something, having kind of been disconnected from the U.S. for some years. Um, and prayer was really the place that that happened and, and the cultural kind of dynamics. Lord, opening the door as we pray, as we walk, you know, through the process of discerning. And look, there was several guys who looked at me and said, Josh, you probably need to really consider who are y'all? Where y'all come from? What are the what are the gifts that you bring to the table? What are the resources that where you come from and who you are bring to this equation? And, and that really was what kind of geared us towards the South. And then Lafayette was such a Catholic culture, and we were coming out of like South American culture. You just began to see some of those pieces kind of take shape, but you got to be patient in that. You got to listen discerningly to the Lord's work in your life through it and, and, and don't, don't stress over it. I think the easiest thing is to get super anxious in the process um, about making that wrong call. But if you'll, if you'll pray, you'll see the Lord kind of work through the process. I think, yeah, I think he makes it very clear quickly. Yeah, Josh, when I was leading the network, um, I remember having a conversation with a young man that came from a very rural setting in the Midwest and went to a Bible college, um, had no experience with campus ministry, and he was looking at an opportunity. He was outside of our denomination, but it would be working alongside a campus ministry in a major city, in, in a major downtown area of a large city. And as I got to know him and understand his personality and his background, I just eventually had to say, you know, the Lord can, can do great things, but you really need to stop and pray and consider, is this the best fit for you in light of all your past experiences? And he circled back around with me years later, he went to plant in a small town and he's thrived and it's been wonderful and it's in the Midwest and he's done well and he said, you know, I know myself better now as a pastor and as a church planner. And I'm 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 afraid had I gone to that setting in that city, I would have been over my head completely. And um, and so, again, it's not that I'm an expert, but I, it is important to pray. It is important to talk to others who know you to seek advice and to just search 
your soul and kind of come to a better understanding of who you are in light of where it is that you're potentially being called. All right, before we shut the door on this, a really quick question. You both have mentioned trying to figure out where there is need and where you might fit in. Where do you practically do this? Is there a church planter's job board? I know, Hunter, you've mentioned Mission to North America. Josh, you've mentioned talking to the director of a church planting network. Like, Where can you practically go to see where there might be need that you might fit in? So if you are a part of a reformed denomination, most of them have on the presbytery level or on the denominational level agencies that are responsible for church planning or serve as resources for church planning. So that's the place that you typically begin. You can also, if you are in a non-denominational setting, there are often resources such as the Gospel Coalition and even denominational resources that post opportunities. Seminaries often post opportunities as well through their uh, professional development departments that you can you can look there and you will find that once you begin talking to people in denominational agencies or even large churches that have church planting networks or a church planting arm of their ministry, that they they are connected specifically within the reformed world. It's very connected. So guys in the PCA often know what is happening in the EPC and the OPC, the ARP, all the alphabet, and they can help you find those particular church planning opportunities. Yeah, I will. I'll just mimic that but to say that two things I will say from that. One is don't come back trying to go it alone. Don't try to just, you know, work through this process on your own. Those those resources and networks and groups, whatever denominational affiliation you have, they're there and they're networked in with a lot of folks. And you're going to have to do the hard work of kind of working through and networking through people, getting to know those individuals and guys that have their their hand and finger on the pulse of, of church planting in whatever parts of the world. And so you come home to a region where you're from, you get a hold of the network that's there and, and they could point you to other networks if you if you're not wanting to work there, but you want to work other places or wherever you are in, in your current employment, you know, kind of place or 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 coming right out of seminary, wherever you are, start there and, and kind of work your way out. Do the hard work of networking uh, within your denominational situation. The Lord opens the doors um, for places and spaces through that, but make sure you work through those organizations. They will help you. They will serve you. They will resource you. They will stand behind you. And um, those things have been super helpful. The Mid-South Network has been huge for me. Uh, M&A, our kind of North American missions wing of our denomination has been super helpful for me along the way. And, and honestly, it would be uh, ludicrous for me to, to even try to have done this without them. So I, I'd encourage you to make sure you stick close to those. Okay, guys. So you've got a city determined where you feel like you're being called to plant. So what's the next step then? You've got to physically move here. So what is, is there anything that you should consider or keep in mind when you are figuring out where you are going to live in this city? And also, where do you begin to look for your first meeting space as a church plant? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I was coming in as a scratch plant in a mid-sized city uh, where there was no other work in the city. And uh, as far as Presbyterian PCA church in the city, our denominational affiliation. And so 
you know, for me, I, it's a, it's a big city. It's spread out. And so that question was not easy getting started. And so we just made the decision to try to find a home that we knew that we could live in well for, you know, three to five years um, that would be centralized to the city to where we could get to anything at any, any easy way. We wanted to be in the city because we were planning in the city to start with. And so we wanted to be as uh, city central as we could be. And we wanted to have access to, you know, the greater part of the cities, you know, the, the greatest part of the city. Um, uh, from that, you know, easy access from that point. Why? Because we knew it was going to take us some time to discern uh, where we were, you know, what we wanted to do. Now, I, in my case, I just have a, I had a core conviction after I got here after a couple of years that, um, that Lafayette is a very tight knit and close community. Um, I, I say close rather than closed because it's also one of the most hospitable uh, cities in the in the U.S. and so super hospitable, but it's also super tight knit, and so it's a unique person who can come and and do church planting here, ministry here, and if we were going to have longevity in this city to see more churches planted, I knew we were going to have to raise up local leadership. So I felt like you know connection to the university was going to be super important. Um, RUF campus ministry was going to be super important for us raising up future leaders for the long-term kind of the long-term goals of, of multiplying in this region. So we were going to move towards the downtown area for the first plant. That's not the wisest decision in some contests, you know, it's an easier decision because the, it, it just depends, but in, you know, a lot of suburban growth oftentimes is considered maybe an easier place to start because that's where a lot of your resource can be found and you can move back towards city. You know, everybody's got opinions about that, but um, for us, we felt very convicted about being close to the core of the city for the, for the, for the greater, to serve the greater cause of the longevity of the ministry and planning throughout the city. So for us, in particular, thinking through the second plant that I'm engaged with at the present moment, we were called to Carville, which is a suburban area of Memphis, but we had a small core group in the beginning and half are from Carterville, but we're half are from the city next door, which is called Germantown. So between Carterville and Germantown, you almost have 100,000 people. And so really, it's, it's like a backyard barbecue in some sense. You think about your appetizers that you're going to serve, and then you think about your, the ribs or the steaks or the hamburgers. So the, the beginning Bible study is like your appetizer, and it, it can be really anywhere and can be in a home, you know, you typically is in a home and, and that's the appetizer. You, you think about it, but you just sort of want to get it out there and you want to serve it and, and keep people happy. Um, what you're really thinking about, what you're really focusing on is that main dish. And that's where you going to meet after the home Bible study. And so we started meeting in some people's home, but I was already thinking like where do we need to meet and how important is it going to be to meet near the border of Carterville and Germantown since, since my core group was kind of half and half. Now the presbytery, and this is maybe not the case for all denominations and all uh, in particular, like non-denominational church planners, but the presbytery had said, you've been called to plant a church in Carterville. And, but I had a group of people from Germantown. And so I'm thinking through that main dish, which is we need to be in Carville, but we need to be near Germantown. And that 
can be very challenging in terms of the facility and that you might find and where it's located. But the moment you move on the field, and I know Josh would agree with this, the moment that you move on the field, you need to be thinking two years down the road, three years down the road, where are we going to meet when we transition from a Bible study to, say, worship and launching? So how important is where you meet for this, Hunter, other than just we want to be in a close proximity to the people that are a part of our core group? How important is the location that you select uh, to the longevity and to what you're trying to do in planting this church? Sure, Reed. I will use my brother as an example. He is in commercial real estate development in Alabama and in Florida. And one of the things that he says over and over again is location, location, location. And so if you'll remember a few years ago, there was a frozen yogurt boom in our country. It seemed like Froyo was the next great thing. And so he was helping people find locations for their businesses. And they kept telling him, it really doesn't matter where we are located because our yogurt is the best and our customer service is the best. And we're going to be, the, <laughs> we're going to be the Chick-fil-A of frozen yogurt. And uh, he just kept telling them, no location really, really matters. You need a drive through. It needs to be visible, et cetera, et cetera. And so what he has told me is over time, it seems like 90% of those businesses that would not listen to his advice are now gone. They don't exist. And the ones that said, okay, maybe met location does matter um, are in business. And I think that is a, a very applicable uh, example for church planning that location really matters. It's very important. You need to be in a place that's highly visible, it's it, access is easy, it's noticeable. Uh, you're where you know in terms of putting up signs and putting up banners, and it's easy to find in terms of uh, car traffic, and people are seeing, they are aware of you. We've experienced this with Trinity. We have met in five different locations in two years, but really three locations. And the one that we are in now is in a good visible spot. We can put up signs on one of the main thoroughfares in the Memphis area. And even though we have just started the, doing this, um, it has gained attention. It's really helped us. And um, I just can't stress enough that when you're thinking through your facility, that you think through where it is, where it is it located? Yeah, it was the it was the same for us. We got here and we were probably a little premature in, in buying a building, but uh, we knew where we wanted to be. We had thought through kind of general wanted to be towards the downtown area near the um, university and a church came up for sale that we were probably a little premature in buying. But I think that's a very traditional culture. And we knew that the non-traditional space was a hindrance here more than a, you know, potential opportunity or asset to the, to the kind of um, church planning process. And that a specifically a more traditional, you know, looking building and space would help us a ton. And, but we really weren't trying, we weren't looking for that because we didn't want, you know, 
we didn't want the tail to wag the dog on that. But the church that we found was, you know, right off of downtown. It was on two major thoroughfares in the city. The corridor on University was um, was something that was I had been participating in some of the kind of city planning stuff and. It was a long-term kind of planning process of developing that university corridor for future kind of major industry to come in. And, and so it was this kind of, you know, long-term and short-term kind of idyllic place to be. And so we kind of, we, we, I did some work on raising some money and trying to figure out how to make it work even maybe a year or two, you know, earlier than we should, mainly believing that the location was going to be so important for us. If we're going to do it downtown, if we're going to go here, then we need to make sure we have prime real estate to do it. And right now we're looking at doing renovations to the building um, because it's a little dated looking on the outside so that that building that's been there for so long in that major thoroughfare can have a you know, a new kind of facade or, or look to, 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 again, afford people an opportunity to say, hey, we're here. And not only are we here, we're here to stay and, and, um, and to create a more inviting atmosphere for it. So it's a, it's a big deal. So I would even go so far as to say I would rather have a facility that is perhaps not as good as it should be on the inside if it is in a prime location. Uh, I think the location is is that significant to your church planning efforts. And, and I would say to the church planners that are listening, don't get discouraged if you find a prime location. Um, it you, you have to remember the visibility issue is, is temporary. So it's not like you have a business that's there 24-7. Uh, seven days a week that in our first church plant, we had a unbelievable location, tremendous location in the kind of the heart of our area. But we were only allowed to put up signs on Saturday and we had to take them down on Sunday afternoon. And we put up, I think, probably the largest banner in the history of church planting. Uh, it was it was look, if the wind caught it, um, it could drag your your truck down the road. It was that large. And even having all of that, the signage and the location, you're still only there for a moment. And we would have people all the time say, oh, I didn't realize you, you met there. Um, so you can still have a great location, a good facility. Um, but because of the fact that you're a church plant and you're only there temporarily, uh, that can be difficult. And, and I really noticed that when we built a building at Madison Heights, the first, my first church plant, just the significant overall difference between having a permanent location where your signage was up constantly versus a place where you were in and out. So location is very important and it will help, but it's but realize that there is a temporary nature to it. So I would suggest that you have a visible thumbprint somewhere else in the community that helps bring you as a church plant stability, like a ministry space or an office space somewhere where you can put up signs and you clearly communicate that this is not where we meet for worship, that this is our office, uh, so that people can better understand who you are as a church plant as your worship location sort of comes and goes from week to week, that you have that, you know, that you have that consistent presence in a community, albeit it may be 
in in a in a different location and and it may be a smaller smaller thumbprint so this might be jumping the gun a little bit but you've mentioned that you need to be thinking forward while you're church planting a couple years into the future so how do you know when your church plant is ready to move from occupying a space just for worship to owning your own space to building a church from scratch or from buying and renovating how do you know when you're ready for that and also, what should you consider when trying to decide, should we buy land and build? We Should we get a building and renovate? What do you guys think about that? You know, Hunter, you're, 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 you're phenomenally better at this uh, than I am. I, I learned a lot from you uh, in that process at, when, I, when we worked together at Madison Heights. Um, and, and honestly, our context is unique. And so maybe what I'll speak to, and then you can address the more specifics. I'll, do, I'll just say a few things, you know, quickly. You know, we, I live in an area that's a, it's just a little, it's a, it's a blue collar kind of, of town, um, kind of salt of the earth kind of folks, but um, we're not, you know, the last church plant, you know, we was a part of, there was, it was in a, you know, it was in a more affluent area of town and there was more resource there, more opportunity. And so, you know, we have to think through everything that we do very, very carefully and very intentionally. And it, and it seems everything takes a little bit longer here. And so, um, you know, we, we had to some decide, sometimes that means you're going to have to make some tough decisions to kind of, you know, project forward. And we did that. We bought a building, you know, on paper a little bit prematurely. Um, sometimes you got to take that step because of where you are. And I think it was vital for us. And, and we did start growing. We bought it in July of 19, uh, 2019 and COVID hit in 2020. <laughs> so we took a leap of faith and then COVID hit. But I think honestly, because we did that pre-COVID, we, we were actually able to hold our own a little bit in this culture, in this community, because the more kind of traditional space gave us the boost we needed to kind of get out, get through that difficult season. Um, not to mention Cajuns just, just want to rub dirt on it. So, uh, <laughs> they're not, they're not, a, they weren't as concerned, but, um, but I think we took the, took the step. I think the Lord's blessed. We're growing. Um, I think for us getting into big building campaigns and buying property is way down the road for us. Um, because it's, we're always going to be a little bit more financially difficult. So we knew that having, buying an older, you know, church building and putting some more into that was going to be the more reachable uh, thing for us. And I think everybody's got to discern their context, uh, their resource. Um, and then obviously make sure you're not just building something to say you have a building, make sure your location is, is, is right and prime um, and let that direct a lot of that. So, Reed and Josh, in my family, there are uh, 10 grandchildren and only one is a girl and that's my daughter. And so when she was born, a family member gave me some money, more as a joke, um, to begin to save for her wedding one day. And uh, they said, maybe we can all pitch in since she's the only girl and uh, just laughed about it. It was funny. but. In some sense, hey, it's important to begin to prepare for my children's needs, college, wedding, et cetera. Um, I need to begin to think about that now, even 
even as she is an infant. And so I would say as a church planner, when you're meeting in someone's home and you've got a few people and it's a core group Bible study, you need to be thinking about where are we going to be beyond a school that we rent? Um, What is our future? Think about the economic makeup of your community. Think about what your community is like. So in the first church plant, it was a booming suburban area of Jackson, Mississippi. Josh, there were no, as you remember, there were no buildings that you could go buy and renovate. There was, in fact, there was one and we were quickly outbid by, I think it was something like Planet Fitness. And so as I'm doing this second church plant, I'm more aware of the context of our community. Land is very expensive. It's, it's even more expensive than where I was the first time. And so I am already thinking, even though we're not anywhere close to, to this phase, I'm already thinking about what do we need to do in order to get into a building and renovate it rather than buying land and trying to build? Um, I will say that it is very difficult and it is hard. And the first church plant that I was a part of, it was a very affluent area. And the church did grow because the community was growing. Although, you know, I think we, we did do some things right, but um, it still was very, very challenging. And so in this second go around, the moment we started meeting as a Bible study on Sunday nights with the core group, I'm already thinking through the dynamics of our community and where we're going in the future and what that's going to look like. And then more than likely, because there are buildings available that we're going to need to go into uh, a building and renovate it and turn it into a church, that that is probably the best route and will help us for a long period of, of time. And so you know, Josh, of course, it involves a lot of prayer. Um, it's also involves bankers. You need people in your church plant that are good with finances to help you think through. Uh, we need to be saving early on for whatever that might be in the future, whether it's buying land or it's building a building or it's renovating a building. Um, start small and work it into your budget and develop it over time so that when you do have enough revenue that a bank will consider extending you a loan that you have funds set aside that makes that a lot easier for you as a church. It, again, it starts in the beginning. And these are things that you need to be thinking about as a church planner from day one, um, even though it doesn't seem apparent. Um, you know, one other thing I would add, um, going back to location of your facility over where you rent, um, you know, what are you looking for when you do find a place, when you do find a good location and Josh, your input would be valuable on this, but, um, you know, again, I'll, I'll say, um, the first thing that I'm looking for is where is this located is in a highly visible spot. Number two, what is, what are the needs of our church right now and three years from now and perhaps five years from now in terms of this facility. I love elementary schools. Um, They are great for church plants, whether they have a gym or whether they have a a theater. 
a stage area. I love elementary schools. They're typically all in one building. They have thought through the dynamics of children, of course, because it's an elementary school. Often they have kindergarten rooms, even pre-K rooms, which work well for nurseries. And so I'm really big into finding an elementary school first and foremost. If you can't find that, then I typically want to look for a middle school or a high school. I just think schools work really well for church plants. But the the challenge that we face in these times, many public school systems will not rent to churches. And so um, thankfully, there are, you know, religious and private schools that will consider it. But um, that that's in terms of the facility, I'm looking at elementary schools first. Uh, Hunter, I, yeah, I think those are invaluable. Those are all things that we looked for when we were looking for space as far as schools and things of that nature. We had a lot of limitations of doing that here in Lafayette. And so we had to kind of go to the second tier of kind of thought processes, ended up looking at hospitality halls and and um, empty buildings that could be rented. And But then you got renovation costs. So it's a it's a challenging thing. Finding schools to, to meet into are, are super helpful. Um and where we always, you know, try to start. Um, and, uh, but the biggest thing I would just say is be patient. Um, keep looking, look, start day one looking, which is what I did. And I learned that from Hunter. I was looking day one for, for places and spaces. I looked throughout the course of um, my time starting. And even when we got into a temporary space, I started looking for long-term space after that. So your heart's always got to be thinking a little bit ahead without, you know, getting impatient with the process of how the church is growing. <laughs> so um, just stay patient, continue to pray and watch the Lord answer, answer prayers. We, it's a tight financial situation here, but when we found the building, that was a small little window of time where an individual was in our church who's moved away now, um, who had resources, donated a large lump sum of money that allowed us to get into the building. And that in God's timing was what we needed to be able to do that. And so the Lord provides, pray, keep looking and, and watch the Lord work. That's the last word for now. Thanks to you for joining us and listening today. You can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.